Welcome to the Future Charlotte podcast. I'm your host, Eli Portillo. I've spent more than a decade studying Charlotte, first as a journalist and now as assistant director of the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. 20 years ago, this city looked radically different. No light rail, a smaller skyline, and breweries, what breweries? What will we look like in the next 20 years? That's what we're exploring on this show. Our guest today is Astrid Chirinos, who was just named the YMCA of Greater Charlotte's new Executive Director of Community Engagement. She is a longtime advocate and representative of Charlotte's immigrant community and just a real force in the community. So, Astrid, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, Ellie, thank you so much for having me and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. The New Year in so many different ways, and it definitely promises to be a transformative one for all of us. Yes, I would say it's a year that has started off on a, a weird note, but really after 2020, there's nowhere to go but up. That's right. First of all, before we really jump into things, just tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what you've done in Charlotte, and what you do now. Well, thank you. Uh, let's see. My God, it's just being a, a four-decade journey in the United States, four decades for me. I am Venezuelan by birth and Charlottean by choice came to the United States in to Raleigh, North Carolina with my parents and my brother to go to school, you know, like many of us uh, immigrants here to, you know, better our education and to be able to really take advantage of the great opportunities the United States offers in terms of uh, higher education and uh, fell in love with North Carolina. They lived in Raleigh for 17 years, you know, uh, went to school, worked there, got married, um, got divorced, went through all the different changes in life. And I was offered an opportunity in Charlotte to come with uh, here uh, to work with some projects with uh, Bank of America and the Arts and Science Council and fell in love with Charlotte, of course, because this is where great opportunities for business, very different environment from Raleigh. And uh, This is what I have lived for the past 25 years. Um, I worked with corporate America, uh, had my own businesses. I was able to start nonprofits with the Latin American community, like the Latin American Chamber of Commerce, the Latin American Economic Development Corporation. And then now I'm able to work with uh, the great uh, YMCA in um, different capacities, you know, running one of the branches, the Simmons YMCA, and now in this new position uh, in community engagement for our whole region. So it has been a journey of um, opportunities, possibilities, curiosity, and just great growth where I had amazing mentors and femters, I call them as well, that have really made a difference in my life. And, and you know, I, I, I don't ever regret being here that long. I haven't left North Carolina and this is home and it's going to be home for a long time. I think that a lot of people still see Charlotte and the South more broadly as black and white, kind of just a simple dichotomy there. One in six Mecklenburg County residents were born outside the U.S., and we're increasingly diverse as a community in terms of you know what we look like, where we're from, what languages we speak, just all those different factors. How have you seen Charlotte change in your time here as it relates to the immigrant experience, the mm-hmm. diversity of the community, and Do you think that people are starting to realize how diverse our community is beyond the black-white dichotomy? Yep. Well, you know, we've been diverse for a long, long time. I just think that we're realizing the the contributions and the difference that the immigrant community has made for many, many, many years. I will tell you, when I came in 1979, there were 50,000 Hispanic Latinos in North Carolina. And as you know, that growth has been exponential 
up to a million now in North Carolina. And, um, you know, that time when I came, it was the boom uh, in terms of economic opportunity for, in many ways, for North Carolina because of the weather, because of industry, for all kinds of reasons. And, you know, coming to Charlotte, of course, uh, all the banking industry, the the, the um, unregulated uh, environment for banks, you know, intra um, uh, activity uh, with states was was able to help Charlotte to grow so much and attract so many ta- so much talent from everywhere. So yes, I have seen a tremendous change in terms of activity, in terms of uh, participation. Um, it was just not the agricultural side. You know, it wasn't just students that were here, but it's also the business community that I, uh, I belong to, not only as a professional but also as a business owner. Um, it grew tremendously, especially in the early 80s, 90s. But, you know, things changed a lot when 9-11 happened. It was a completely different approach to immigration. I, I always call it, you know, before 9-11, after 9-11, United States. Because when we came here as a family, I remember they kept asking us, please bring more immigrants, please bring your friends. Um, businesses were absolutely in, in, in need and corporations of talent because we had a, a low birth rate across the United States and, and in North Carolina as well. So we needed more workforce. And it completely shifted after 9-11, the mindset, Homeland Security was created, the whole different set of regulations. Uh, the United States lost in, in many ways a confidence in um, the way that we were handling uh, immigration. And the truth is we never really had a comprehensive immigration reform. So we made it even more difficult for um, immigrants to really belong as part of the communities and the workplace. We have had several you know, issues for years across, as you know, you know bias and um, uh, prejudice uh, sometimes you know, you know, from the exclusionary clauses for the Chinese, you know, to all the the Irish. And then, you know, of course, uh, the other issues with the pandemic, the Spanish uh, plague and all of those things that will always be viewed as against immigrants. But then after 9-11 became even uh, uh, more clear that we just were not prepared to really create a comprehensive structure to be able to um, attract manage, retain the talent that was coming. So um, that's why we have been in a dilemma for the past uh, couple of decades uh, and more so. And of course, the last administration um, made it even more difficult. So um, hopefully we're, we're, we're viewing a whole new uh, horizon in terms of um, um, how the immigrant contribution and workforce and families that are already have been here for several decades are going to be um, not only welcome, but are going to be part of the texture of our communities already and, and contribute in a different way as, as they have for a long time. But now it's, it's gonna be much more embraced as part of, of, our, of who we are. So on a, a local level, how well do Charlotte and Mecklenburg County, how good a job do we do at being a welcoming community for immigrants? You know, national picture aside, locally, mm-hmm. what does it look like and feel like? Well, that's a great question, Ellie, because I think we're excellent at welcoming, but we're not exactly excellent at accepting. 
So I think that we sometimes uh, confuse equality and equity. Um, you know, yes, we are all for all and we welcome everybody. And, you know, we all have access to our driver's license and we all have access to different services and all of those things. But do are we really looking at providing the the right support for those who are non-native English speakers? Are we providing that additional, uh, are we understanding what it is if you were in China as an English speaker that you need more time to learn Chinese or, or that you need more support? And sometimes I always think about, you know, it's not enough to be at the table. You need to be able to order from the menu and not only order from the menu, but to be able to get the dish that you asked for and get it hot, if it's hot or cold. So, you know, we're really good at getting people at the table. And I'm not sure whether we are doing the rest in Charlotte that it, in, in a sustainable way. And that is, um, that is critical for, for the sustainability of, of a, a solid structure where everybody participates and uh, we are feeling comfortable that it's not just a black and white community, that there's others and we cannot have this otherism that was that has clearly come out, you know, uh, during our last year, you know, not only with the triple pandemic that we, we, we experienced in health, um, you know, in economics, but also in social justice. Um, so it, it, it encompasses all areas and the immigrant community is part of that otherism and economic opportunity and mobility that we need to provide to all, you know, because they, they've made a huge difference in our community. The, the city wouldn't have been built without the immigrant workforce. Let's kind of zoom out and just talk big picture. Why does it matter for Charlotte to be a welcoming and accepting community for immigrants? Some people just say, hey, we, we don't need people from other places. Let's just close the door and, and go with who we have here now. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because we continue to grow and uh, to be able to sustain that growth, we're going to need uh, people that are already adults that are coming to uh, be integrated as part of our workplace and our workforce. Um, like I said before, we still have a low birth rate, uh, not only in our state, but in the United States. And so the immigrant community has always been a part of that infrastructure that can support. So it matters that we understand because they're part of our tax base, they're part of our workforce, they're part of our schools, they're part of the services that we provide, not only the, by giving, but also by uh, receiving. They're part of our essential workers. Um, so if uh, we are not able to understand and uh, retain that workforce, it's going to be much harder for companies and for our local government and for our nonprofits and everybody, every sector to be able to function and be efficient. And um, so, you know, we want to give opportunities to everybody and create possibility and expand in what we're doing. And this is one of the reasons why we were 50 in the 50 cities in economic mobility, because it wasn't it was the communities of colors, the ones that were more marginalized by our own biases and um, the system that, that has created those uh, disparities. And so we just need to be much more aware. We're a great city, a can-do city. 
a beautiful city uh, that I love and that I have no planning to go anytime. And that's why I love what I'm doing right now because I'm able to provide more context in many ways to the corporations and to the nonprofits and to the newcomers and to the immigrant community because of my perspective of 41 years plus being in the United States um, as, a, as a newcomer that had great opportunities and that would like to build that infrastructure for others to have those opportunities and provide them for others that are coming. You mentioned the economic and the social vitality that immigrants bring to our community. And I think embedded in there is also some of the diversity of and within the immigrant community. Just as a lot of people think of Charlotte and cities in the South as black and white, I think a lot of people, when they think immigrant community, they probably think just Mexico mm -hmm. or just Spanish-speaking people. I think a lot of people are surprised that the number two group of people in Mecklenburg County born outside the U.S. are Indians mm -hmm. drawn by our tech sector. Right. What do you tell people about the diversity within the immigrant community in that, you know, just like Charlotte isn't a um, black and white monolith, right. the immigrant community is extremely diverse as well. Mm -hmm. Well, it hasn't been a black and white monolith for a long time, Ellie. And that, you know, it's not going to go away just because we don't acknowledge it, right? It is there because we need that workforce. And it's also a lot of workforce that comes well-prepared, well-educated. And uh, so it comes from uh, on both ends of the pyramid, right? The, um, from the, uh, the highly educated, because we need people in technology and science and um, also finances and all of that. And we also need the workforce that is basic skills that is in the base of that pyramid. So they have been here for a long time and it is really difficult to be able to be, to come and stay in the United States, contrary to what people think. And that a lot of the people here are undocumented. Uh, you know, yes, we have had that part of the reason is because we don't have a comprehensive immigration reform. So a lot of people stay because they are, they stay because they have the jobs. It's not like they're here suffering or taking advantage of the system. They're contributing to the system. Many of the companies that they work with actually encourage them to stay because there's no other people. It is important that we also pay them the same level. And that's part of the disparities as well. So the need is there and, and they contribute at all levels, right? So we need to make sure that we provide that equity you know, the, 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 the infrastructure. So we can all participate and we can all contribute, whether we're black, white, uh, people of color, you know, newcomers born here from different backgrounds. The whole idea is for all of us to move together and, you know, helping Charlotte be the city that continues to grow and, and serve and, um, as we're planning, and I'm just very grateful that we're looking at a more equitable framework for growth, uh, because now we're realizing that we cannot continue staying in the 50th and the 50 cities across the country uh, in economic mobility, and that, and that will impact all areas. So I am very excited that our local administration and our local government is um, definitely intentional right now, more so than ever, actually. Um, I'm fortunate to be in the planning commission as well. 
And um, I see the comprehensive 2040 plan that is being led by, um, you know, um, our planning director and um, but our all, all the, 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 the seat who we should point out is an immigrant himself. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Taiwo Jaiboba, an amazing talent and, and, and leader, tremendously courageous in many ways that has been able to has been willing to take risk and has been able to demonstrate that, um, you know, um, many, many times uh, we have to take those risks to be able to move to the next level. And so Charlotte is going to start understanding or feeling more comfortable with that. I mean, part of it is, you know, we have a, a banking overlay, which is low, you know, many times uh, risk averse. And that's been a culture also in many ways from, from our faith-based environment. But I think that we are um, definitely shifting our, our approach and are more willing to, to take a look at uh, what it means to have others contribute and that it is okay that it's, you know, that we are, we are in the same place as many of the other cities that have grown. We continue to grow, but we just need to make it sustainable in terms of our newcomers. What does that look like to you to build a more equitable city and to mm -hmm. grow in a more sustainable way? What are some of the policies or mm -hmm. things you're seeing from local government right now that make you optimistic? Yes. Well, you know, I'm glad that you brought the word policy because that's where we make changes replicable. So we do need to include the, the changes, whatever initiatives, whatever task force uh, decisions we made, whatever, they need to start becoming part of our policies, our practices um, to make them replicable and sustainable. Language access is very, very important for everything. Um, it, it cannot just be a nice to have or an afterthought. It just needs to be a part of the, of the fabric of whatever um, policy and decisions. And we need to make sure that we have the, the talent that is gonna support that as well, trained. Um, we need to have our own cross-cultural competency to understand, just make that effort. Uh, you know, many times when we go to other countries, we, we wanna understand. So we need to make sure that we understand who is coming here and how can we make it easier so they can move in faster and integrate um, so, you know, providing that additional support, it's like if we all, if we all need shoes, but we're not all size eight, but if you give me the size eight shoe, it doesn't, you know, but I cannot use it. It doesn't matter, you know, and that's what I'm saying that, you know, equality is important and it's a, it's, it's a given, but equity is something that we built and that we have to be very mindful of. And, you know, it's interesting. It's like air. You, you don't know that it's there, but you sure know when it's not there, when you're missing it. So I just think that we just need to be much more mindful and intentional that equity is a process and an outcome that we need to look at, especially for newcomers, immigrants, and that can continue to grow and, uh, and be a part of our workplace. So you kind of touched on a little of this earlier, but, you know, over 41 years in North Carolina, I think you said 25 in Charlotte. What are some of the bigger changes that you've seen as it relates to you know, the immigrant community mm -hmm. or the immigrant experience or how the community has become more or less welcoming? Well, I definitely see that the, the Latino workforce has become much more active and, and their leadership has been more prevalent in corporate in corporations, um, 
as well as a leading nonprofit. So there's no questions that they, 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 the leadership is there and the access is there. Now, the, 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 the opportunity to stay is what concerns me, you know, because many times they don't have the support that the infrastructure. So I've seen that, uh, you know, go up and down during my years here um, that I think that especially during the, the last four years, um, it was very difficult for the immigrant community to, to feel safe and comfortable, not only in terms of the basic skills, but also in terms of being able to um, articulate and have self-expression um, because of all the issues that we had had, um, unfortunately, with the last administration. And at the same time, we have had a sheriff that has been extremely welcoming um, and supportive that we have elected. Uh, we've had also a city council that has been extremely supportive, uh, the most millennial city council that we have had. And we had an immigrant city council woman, millennial for the first time. So I just see um, that there's a lot of, of changes that I'm hoping that they are sustainable. So we just need to make sure that we have that infrastructure. So um, I'm hoping that they continue to happen, the leadership continues to grow and the, you know, from all, all sides, but that our community um, understands that the belonging, that, you know, it's the most important, not just the welcoming part, but the belonging uh, of it. So we can all feel that we are a part of and that, we're contrib that our contributions are being valued and implemented. So just because I have an accent doesn't mean that I think with an accent, right? That I am contributing the same way as anybody else because at the end, we all have an accent anywhere we are in the world, no matter what. If I'm here, you know, then if you're in Boston, you have an accent, right? And if somebody's here from California, they have an accent, even if they are from the United States. I think you hit on something that I think is really important, which is, you know, the kind of organizational infrastructure and that infrastructure of support when it comes to organizations like churches and business groups and those kind of civic areas where people gather, exchange information, build political power. Has that really increased a lot for the immigrant community in the past 25 years in Charlotte in terms of those those kind of civic structures really growing and cohering? Well, there have been several organizations that have worked very hard and that have grown, um, not only in the Latino community, where the like Latin American Chamber, the Economic Development Corporation, Enlace, a lot of the, you know, the Latin, Amer Latin American uh, coalition, all of them as well as in the Asian community with the Asian Chamber and other organizations that support. But I think that, that we need more in terms of the general market, you know, to be able to be, uh, it is not that, oh, well, you're from such and such country or you are a newcomer, you, well, you go there, you know, and you go there because the silos is what creates the disparities. Um, that, you know, when you just want this particular perspective for now and let's just have it and then move on. No, it just needs to be integrated. Um, you know, we always have to think about, okay, this voice or this perspective is not at the table right now. Not only let's bring them there, but also help them design with us uh, this process. So, more and more, I, there are great organizations like Community Building Initiatives and many others 
that have been able to uh, engage um, the voices uh, in a much more intentional way. Um, and they have been able to engage, engage alumni that goes back to the corporations and the nonprofits and everywhere. So we, we, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, this is a process, but I think that I just feel that we're at a tipping point because now we're much more self-aware as a city, as a county, as a community, as newcomers, as immigrants, as residents, as people that have been born in Charlotte and people that have been born in the United States that come to Charlotte, that um, we all have to co-create. You know, this is it's not just somebody else. There was a time when there were four great leaders that would just look from the top of their buildings and say, hey, let's move this and that and the other. Um, that doesn't happen. It, yes, that's, that's no longer the, the way that Charlotte is growing. It's much more organic and it's a much more multidisciplinary and uh, the, the lenses are different, you know, that we have a, a bigger lens. So I, I'm excited. I'm very, very excited of what is coming. Um, you know, this year has started, like you said, you know, with a rocky start and with a bang, but I, I think that it's going to be transformative for, for all of us. You're involved with the Charlotte 2040 planning effort. That's kind of the conceit of this podcast is looking ahead roughly 20 years and mm -hmm. seeing what different people think it will be. As you look forward over the next few decades to 2040, what does Charlotte look like to you mm -hmm. uh, in terms of being a more equitable community and um, and the immigrant community? Yes. Well, we're looking at changing a lot of our zoning and um, having place types as the base for how we're going to be building the city. So um, it's going to be much more integrated um, because as you well know, the real estate and the land use is what really creates a lot of the segregation in many of our cities, and especially in the South, and especially in Charlotte. So we have already looked at that deeply, and um, we're going to be creating more mixed-use communities. We're going to be creating more complete neighborhoods. We're not going to be leaving people behind or out. The intentionality, because, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? But we have finally learned because now we have seen, we have enough history and we have seen what happens when you leave people behind, when you don't create the infrastructure, when you create barriers and when you don't allow you know, people and create the opportunities and the possibility. So this new plan is going to create a lot of possibility for us in all areas of our city, the North, the South, the West, the East, in every way you're going to see a much more dynamically integrated environment and the, and the, tra the traffic, the transit part of it. Um, what you have seen how the pandemic has impacted our traffic, right? Which is like, oh, wow, this is awesome. You remember how different- You can actually, yeah, you can actually drive on 77. Exactly. So now this is almost like an opportunity to start building from what is ideal, you know, and how can we, accelerate that and how can we streamline that and, and help um, support that fluidity that we need for everybody to have opportunity and to have access um, in, in, every, in every way. I keep saying that, but I, I have a great excitement now that 
we are much more conscious and we understand where implicit biases were, where, where implicit issues with infrastructure were, but, but now we're addressing them, you know, consciously. And, and we can move forwards. And, and so when the Chetty study comes back and when the Harvard and Berkeley and all of that come back, we're not gonna be 50 in the 50 cities anymore. And final question as we wrap things up here, if you could change something, anything, you have a magic wand oh. to make Charlotte more receptive to immigrants, what would you change? I would say the collaboration amongst immigrants themselves. Not only because it will help create a, a force to be able to push, you know, and, and, uh, and make a difference. I mean, I think the self-confidence and the conviction uh, that we are here making a difference will make a difference if we're all more together and great organizations like the Charlotte International Cabinet and others that um, bring together our newcomers and immigrants are helping in that but I think that we need to be much more intentional because of the differences that are, you know, sometimes the environment makes us pull and be individual, pull out to our own side. So I would change that. And with that, the acceptance of our community that newcomers and immigrants are uh, making a difference to the better, to the positive. And it's not just about the welcoming part. It's about the staying part. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Where can people find out more information about the YMCA of Greater Charlotte and the work that you're doing there? Oh, they could go to our website, you know, www.ymcacharlotte.org. And they could definitely call me anytime. You know, you got my, I don't know if you're providing that my email is astrid.com. Chirino, C-H-I-R-I-N-O-S at ymcacharlotte.org. And, you know, they could come and visit um, any of our facilities, of course, with our safety guidelines. But I would just um, I would just say that they just come and, and take a look at all of the different branches that we have open now serving not only our youth, but also in our anti-hunger efforts and breaking the cycle of poverty, as well as serving all our our members that need, you know, the fitness and anybody in the community that need the, the wellness in mind, body and spirit, which is critical right now for our emotional well-being. Yes. Now more than ever. More than ever. Well, thanks again for taking the time and I wish you a great rest of 2021. Oh, for you as well. Thank you, Elliot, for everything that you're doing and your great leadership at UNCC. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Future Charlotte podcast, produced by me, Eli Portillo, at the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. Keep looking to the future, Charlotte.